I'm running for Congress because I've seen that municip municipalities in Georgia have both of their hands tied behind their back because of the restrictions of state law on what they can do. And state government also is very limited in addressing the big problems we face. So, so I'm leaping into the political uh, adventure in running for Congress because I want us to think about our big problems and the big solutions we need to address. And our country as a whole has failed to tackle the looming economic insecurity that faces growing parts of our populace and leaves too many of us unable to care for our families, unable to participate as equals in the political process. And the fear of joblessness and economic insecurity is stoking a hatred of immigrants and minorities and raising the fortunes of autocrats like Donald Trump and his counterparts abroad and threatening the very fabric of our democracy. Now I want to put back on the agenda of the Democratic Party and our nation as a whole the economic rights that are not guaranteed by our Constitution and that both political parties have failed to fully recognize and implement. And the most fundamental of these rights is the true right to work. The right of everyone who wants a job to have a full-time job. This is the basics, the basis of our economic independence and security. And yet there are millions of Americans who are unemployed, millions more who have stopped looking for work, and millions more who have part-time jobs when they want to have full-time jobs. The market is never sufficient to guarantee people this very basis of the American dream, which tells us we should be able, if we want to work hard, to be able to support ourselves and allow our families to prosper. Well, our government has to do something that once the Democratic Party called for under FDR and then forgot about, something that Martin Luther King brought up at the very end of his life and that Coretta Scott King advocated in 1974 when she set up a national coalition for full employment. And that is that our government step in and provide employment serving our community for whoever needs a job when the market fails to deliver. Now this is an opportunity for our communities to tackle all of the infrastructure problems and human services lacks that we face, the lack of public transportation, the lack of decent public services, the lack of free public childcare and elder care, we can do it. And we can transform the lives of all of us who face insecurity in getting a job to begin with and those of us who have jobs. Think of how this will transform the lives of our young people, how it will shut down the school to prison pipeline if everyone coming of age knows that they will have a job awaiting them at a fair wage tied to productivity gains that will allow them to serve their community. Think of how this will transform the mass incarceration that plagues our communities, particularly people of color. If everyone knows that they will have a legal way of earning a decent living that will serve their community, think of what it will mean to our veterans who we find in a town like Athens on the street with signs saying, give me food, I am homeless. But what if we offer all our veterans guaranteed jobs that will serve the community?
This is the basis of a new birth of freedom, and it will transform the lives of those of us who have jobs. Because if we ensure that there will be guaranteed jobs at fair wages, we can end all poverty wages. We can also lift the fear of people who are employed, who are worried about losing their jobs, and for that reason, will not raise their voice to protest workplace sexual harassment, workplace racial discrimination, workplace corporate abuse. Obviously, we have to supplement these measures with efforts to ensure that employees have a fair say in the management of corporations, and that they have an opportunity to engage in collective bargaining. We have to balance work and family, and ensure that women will not be held back by the family responsibilities that still beleaguer them to a greater degree than men. We have to ensure that there is free public daycare, free public elder care, child allowance is sufficient to eliminate childhood poverty. We can do all of this. We can provide Medicare for all that has no co-pays and no deductibles, so everyone can take care of their health on a par with others. We can ensure that everyone has access to fair housing. If everyone has a stream of income based on guaranteed jobs and fair wages, then we can have a moratorium on turnoffs of utilities, on eviction notices, on foreclosures, because we can reschedule payments, because everyone will have an income that can be drawn upon. These are measures that completely transform the fabric of our nation. We can talk about greatness in America for the first real time, because it's shameful if we allow our people to suffer in economic insecurity. It's shameful if we allow groups, people of color, to suffer lower wages and income than everyone else. It's shameful if we allow women to still suffer lower income, lower opportunities in the economy and politics. So I'll stop here. Think of this as a new agenda, a new direction that we as a party need to advocate, and that we as a nation need to embrace. Thank you. Uh, if we can, Richard, I'll give you a chance to, you know, we can condense it for time frame. There are a lot of people to ask us some questions. Any, any questions for Mr. Wingfield? Anything? Ms. Holmes? Okay, Ms. Holmes, go ahead, ma'am. And we're going to try to keep the answers sure. as short as possible so we can get as many candidates in because some of them got to drive a long way. Go ahead, Ms. Holmes. First of all, I, I think it's a misconstrual to say it was a physical threat of violence. The person in question posted that he would kill Democratic candidate, but he meant that, if you look at the context, in terms of defeat them in the electoral process. I spoke to him about it, and he retracted his words and replaced them with words that fit the context and have to do with engaging in electoral politics, not using violence. So I think this is similar to the kind of sort of condemnation by association that the enemies of Obama used in speaking about Reverend Wright. I think that so. you use the word kill, it's pretty, uh, I, I, I agree, it's, it's irresponsible. It's it is irresponsible, you should not have used it. I to see if you did condemn it. I did condemn it. There's a statement coming out in the flagpole in mm -hmm. Athens in which I do condemn it. But I think you have to recognize that it was not meant as a physical threat, and the context is such that I think it's likely. Yeah. True. I, I agree it was a mistake. Yeah. 
Well, look, it, it was a matter of uncontrolled rhetoric that clearly was not meant as a physical threat. I called him out on it. He changed the post. He also uses other somewhat inflammatory. Well, yeah. the, the comments, the comments he makes, yeah, the comments he makes regarding feminists, which he directs at both black and white feminists. He criticizes them, I think, too broadly, but he criticizes them for failing to address the economic struggles of working class women and women of color. And, but he uses the blanket term of either white feminists or black feminists are failing to address these, just as he will at times speak about white people in general. And I, I've spoken to him about this. I don't control his statements. He should be speaking about not all, but some. And, and that's what he means if you think about his positions. Well, he's a supporter, but he's not part of my campaign. What can I say? He is a student, but again, I'm, I'm not in control of him. I'm not his master. Right? And he doesn't agree with what I say, nor, do I, nor can I convince him of everything. That's the reality and the truth. And I think you have to look at what I stand for independently. Because I've made no, no secret of what I've stood for. I've had publications out in the public domain for 40 years. And I think you'll see that what I am arguing for is very much against everything that is worrying you. Yeah, yeah I agree. Great. Any other questions for Mr. You are loyal. You know that? What? Loyal. <laughs> Any other questions for Mr. Wingfield before we move to his opponent, Ms. Um, Shellis? Yeah. Yes, sir. Quick. Okay, yeah. this person that they're speaking on behalf of, is he still part of your? He's not a member of my campaign. Okay. He's an independent person. He's an African American, about 40 years, father of three. He had, he's very active on social media. He's a graduate student in the philosophy department at the University of Georgia. And you can check him out and judge for yourself what his views actually are. I think he's being misrepresented. I think his rhetoric is out of control. And I've spoken to him about that. But I think you'll find his positions are different from what they're characterized as. He is not an advocate of misogyny. He is not an advocate of racism. He asked what was the name. His name is I. Irony Ose Frimbong. His father was from Ghana. His mother is African American. Irony Ose Frimbong. Okay. It's an African name. I got you. Thank you.